Hey everyone, I'm Alex Cantor. And I'm Lily Rosenthal. Welcome to our podcast, Hot Pastrami. We are coming to you from our favorite booth at Cantor's Deli here in LA. We're going to invite some of our friends to join us for a chat over some matzo ball soup and pastrami sandwiches. So join us for new episodes of Hot Pastrami every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. See you soon. Bye. Help Me Be Me is self-help for people who hate self-help, hosted by me, Sarah May. What I talk about on this show is my personal opinion, and it's not a substitute for professional help. Take what helps and leave the rest. If you're suffering, please call 911 or your local emergency services. Hi friends, it's Sarah May, and this episode I am calling Getting Out of Your Own Way. It's for how to work with fear of success and I guess fear in general, and also looking at what is holding you back. Because when we don't act on something, the goal isn't necessarily to just force ourselves to act when we're not ready. Like this is not about being pro-impulse because often there are real factors in our ambivalence, but this is for being active in movement toward whatever goal we have. And this is for anyone who has like a general inkling that they'd like to do something and they cannot for the life of them get themselves to even try. So maybe that's a job or maybe it's as simple as making a TikTok. That is my weird fear. (laughs) Or maybe you're absolutely sure that something is meant for you, like you're actively involved in a creative project, but you watch yourself repeatedly be inactive on this front And maybe you're stumped or maybe you just don't even know where to start and so you don't. And maybe this goal isn't even that explicit, you know, maybe it's like a general sense of procrastination and laziness or something weirder like uh, general resent or distaste for those around you who are successful in your field or circle, which translates to not wanting to play by their rules or not wanting to put your hat in the ring because you're, you're, you know you could do better, but you don't even want to try. Anyway, I just want to say, as an aside, if you are working towards a goal, um, that's because that is in you and it's true. It just exists. And it's something that whether or not you do pursue it, it's like just be, be able to celebrate that in itself and just own it. And know that if you are one of those people out there who speak authentically and put something of yourself out in the world, I celebrate you. I am in awe of you. I mean, it it helps all of us in the world feel more uh, connected and at home and safe and welcome. And uh, for me, it's like air. So, and if you can't do that, if you can't put yourself out in the world, it's probably because you are afraid. And I think fear gets veiled in so many different shrouds. Sometimes it shows up as pride. Sometimes it shows up as perfectionism. Sometimes it shows up as an instant feeling of overwhelm at the idea of even starting. And sometimes it shows up as jealousy. Um, And those are all kind of confusing things to experience. But the goal of this episode is really to be present in moving towards something. And in that presence, just to call out where you are and look at the feelings, to confront them and to be able to claim them. And why is that a big deal? Because then you know 
where you are. You know what you're working with. I think one really important aspect about how fear works is it paralyzes and keeps you, quote, safe by making you look the other way. Because it's kind of tangled up in lots of other feelings and factors, it's really hard to identify it, and therefore you just stay stagnant, safely stagnant. But that is where you no longer grow. And and it's easy, it's seductive to just stay there for an entire lifetime. So it's a successful strategy by fear because you never make any progress. So the first step is really just kind of pulling out that ball of tangles and just seeing it and then starting to kind of untie the knots so they no longer keep you from moving. So my goal for you in this is to be in that active state of processing that allows you to move even a tiny inch toward the thing that will allow your action to occur. Um, In school, they taught us that motivational interviewing, which happens to be one of my favorite mediums of therapy, has several stages that we are helping people to move through in in order to change. And so people are are often moving from a state of pre-contemplation to contemplation to preparation, and then action. And so through a conversation, we can help people to process in order to move to that stage of action. And this is all using their actual real inherent tools as an individual that are accessible to them. And plus it's all their true desires. So it's not about imposing external things upon that person. It's about helping that person to really like take apart the realities of what they they actually want to do and, and seeing that it's possible for them to do that. And that is because sometimes we're just blocked by our life experiences, by a lot of chaos that's in our life and also fear and also when we can't see an outcome as possible. And that's just when we can't see a path, you know? So... This is kind of like my version of that process, this episode. And I think, you know, in that, in motivational interviewing, it's really about focusing on first how you will feel when this positive change is made. Like how will your life be different and better? And often one change can be a cornerstone that allows so much more to happen that is good. A random example of that is just exercise. This is a major major cornerstone that allows so much more positive change as a result of it. So in some ways we're going to be, this is just an invitation to you to move from pre, pre-contemplation to contemplation and maybe eventually even action because this is life school. Remember, we are here to grow. So let's give this seed some water. Some Let's make some small changes that will evoke large life-changing ones. And with that, there are three parts to this episode, the what, the why, and the how, the tools. And a heads up, before we get to the tools, we will have a brief word from our sponsors. Okay, part one, the what. The goal, to put yourself out there in some way that you secretly dream or to have a certain thing. So maybe it's an expression of yourself in some form. Maybe it's a role you would like to have, a title. Maybe it's a medium you would like to uh, express yourself in. Um, Maybe it's an achievement. I don't know. But whatever it is, 
you do not pursue or act toward this thing. So you might be on a different spot on the spectrum of inaction. And here's a little spectrum I made up for the sake of this episode, calling it the blocking myself spectrum. Um, So there are how many? Five, six. There are six stages of the spectrum. The back row is number one. This is when you're in just like a state of envy, jealousy, uh, there's sensitivity and energy around this particular thing and other people who have it. So there's a bare, like a slight awareness of what it is you think you could do really well. And you're not officially wanting to own it as a goal. Number two in this spectrum is mezzanine. See, this is like a <laughs> seating chart. That's my metaphor I went with. So mezzanine, you're, there's a conscious wanting it. You're on the you're on you're on the balcony. You're not wanting to talk about it openly, and you're not really wanting to do anything more. Maybe because you're writing it off as too far off and illogical as a goal. Number three is orchestra section. This is when you are owning it. You're talking about it. You're processing fears around it, and it you can be here for a very long time. And you might stay here until you finally change how you feel about the goal. In, in terms of the context of your life. And for some people, goals are just like friends that we keep in our lives. Like you like to have it around, you like to dream about it, experience it in your mind's eye, but it's actually not really something you want to do in your life because it is beyond a resource threshold or a stress re- threshold. Or perhaps just try try this on for size if that sounds true for you. Perhaps it was beyond your threshold in the past, but it's not anymore. And I say that because I think a lot of people who have trauma or have extreme uh, pain of rejection, like an extreme sensitivity to rejection, we have a lot of trouble acting on things like we used to. And instead, we just kind of incubate and we create sameness and we we cling to that routine because that's been really helpful for us in our lives. But at a certain point in your adult life, our egos are strong enough once again to take on a new growth spurt, a new challenge. So just maybe consider that for yourself. This you Whereas you might have in the past been very cautious about taking big leaps, maybe you're strong enough now. And you might be listening to this episode because you can feel this goal is kind of magnetizing in your life once again. And that's your natural energy that is reacting to things around you. And they're just kind of attract, they're, they're ringing bells because they're, those are already in you. So it's starting to kind of grow into a real goal because that is true. You're, you're feeling it because it's true. Number four, front row. In this stage, you are still ambivalent, but you're actively working on the areas you need to grow into in order to achieve the goal. And you can push yourself from here to be more bold. Like you can dabble in a new area. You can take steps in practicing a skill. You can even start to take bigger risks that are parallel or overlapping with your ultimate goal. Stage five is the backstage And in this, you are actively in pursuit of the goal. You're fully confronting the risks and you're walking slowly through the horrifying reality of them, meaning like, I am terrified and I'm still walking. And this is like, you know, in the scary movie, like 
moment in your mind when you're like in the dark basement to get the laundry and you're like the dark is kind of freaking you out. Maybe you just watched a horror movie and you're like, I'm terrified, but I'm walking in the dark to get the laundry. And you're making yourself walk really slowly, even though inside you're freaking out. And the last stage is center stage. And this is when you're in it to win it. You're going through the motions of jumping at the goal. You're receiving feedback about it. You're pivoting. Then you're jumping again. You're repeating that. And despite the stress of it, you are moving your body through the motions and you're fully aware of the pros and the cons and you're witnessing the realities of the goal in itself. And I think when we're in this stage, a lot of the time what we're realizing is, oh, this actually takes a lot longer than I thought it would be and it's a lot, there are all these other complications. Like we're getting a lot of learning in this stage. We're like, oh, I actually have to do it this way. I thought I would have to do it this way. Or, oh, this is what this one entails. Maybe I actually want that other job instead or whatever it is. And in this, we are we are reaffirming to ourselves that we mean it because we are continuing on despite any obstacles. And this is our, it feels really good to be in this stage because you're like, I'm doing something. I'm making things. I'm moving through my life and I'm changing and I'm learning a lot. And I would say so many of the joys of life occur in this window of time when we are in a new chapter, we're enthusiastic about it. We're kind of scared of, of what's happening. Like we're really scared because we don't know what we're doing, but we're using all of ourselves. We're using all of our resources and we're using all of our brain and we're all, all these parts of us are turned on because we're like having to use all of the resources we've grown throughout our lives. And I would say like, what a gift to be able to use all of yourself in what you gift to the world. Like that is... a pure state of aliveness that I think is fantastic and really well why we are all here, you know, um, outside of bringing up a family and building a legacy. And I mean, there are all sorts of uh, other amazing reasons to be here. <laughs> but anyway, I personally am like, ooh, center stage, that's where we want to go. Okay, part two, the why. Why we would have dreams or goals and be unable to move toward those goals, maybe that is laziness. I would call laziness actually fear, depression, and or a chemical issue related to attention or focus. In other words, it's not likely a result of laziness. Like I think we often practice watching ourselves be inactive and then we believe that to be true of us and when it's in reality something else. We also might have a real and true self-awareness that is protecting us from action because we know how crippling failure is to us. And if that's you, I have some tools for you in particular. Um, I know many people who are painfully, almost dangerously sensitive. And if they get rejected or perceive themselves failing, it's like it's a chemical blow that takes many years to recover from. So sometimes ambivalence is just self-awareness. Like this show, for example, I was not ready to do the show I'm doing today when I started it. And that was self-awareness because I was just way too uh, sensitive and I was way too vulnerable. But there are lots of whys why you, you might not be taking action. But I think a lot of them, I would say kind of the biggest causes, are often tied to hidden feelings of unworthiness. 
And to get rid of that set of beliefs, we really have to recognize them and process them. And why would I have those feelings of unworthiness? I think common sources are perceived abandonment and or trauma. For example, like abuse or trauma caused by behaviors that resulted from original trauma. Like let's say an accident, but then that initiated all sorts of behaviors that are traumatizing after the fact. Meaning if you experience a trauma as a young person, you might respond to that by dealing with uh, the PTSD by using lots and lots of drugs. And that puts you in a lot of bad situations that are more traumatizing than or equally traumatizing to the original incident. But that in itself, that process will make a person redefine their self as, quote, fucked up, all because of these, this one original trauma. And it very much scripts your behaviors throughout the rest of your life. And that was true for me. Trauma was very much writing my life's script until I did a lot of heavy-duty work in therapy. And that unworthiness in my uh, young adult experience was totally subterranean. It was totally unconscious. I totally thought, I am fucking killing it. I'm awesome. But my behavior showed I did not feel that way. Meaning I was kind of taking crumbs from others in relationships like, oh, thank you you so much. I'll do your laundry now. And I was also unable to ask for shit tons of money in the workplace. Like a lot of people are just really good at asking for shit tons of money. And then people are like, okay, here you go. And I think a lot of people with inner unworthiness are like, "I, um, I I just came into borrow the stapler by. And so it's really about teaching yourself to even notice if there's this underlying definition that's hindering your actions. Um, the second why I'm covering in this section is for you creatives out there who have any um, kind of like work in progress projects, but maybe you feel incapable of finishing them or moving in them in any way. And for you, I would say, by the artist's way, I'm going to put a link to it in the show show notes, such an incredible book. But one of the, I would say, most potent insights from that book that moved me is I think feeling creatively barren really is that it's like an energetic setting and it's, it's coming from fear, but it also comes from perfectionism. Pride, they call it prideful perfectionist, perfectionism. And if you are in a state, if you know that about yourself, of like you're perfectionistic, that is, um, you got to read the book, but it's really preventing you from um, allowing creativity to just unfold. It's also really uh, a result of practicing a craft without expanding your curated palette of art. And so I think like, yes, you can have craft, but we really need to ingest range, a range of things in our life experience that include and evoke that feeling of limitlessness and inspiration. So I have some tools for you in particular as well. But I, I think in general, just know that that feeling of lack, that feeling of being barren is a block, um, in itself. So it's like the focus on it, it's the sensitivity to it, it's the fear around it, it's like it becomes an object and, and it becomes the, the focal point. 
And that is the thing that's blocking the flow. The second half of it is just the lack of input. So it's like we're in a contracted state. And so that just means like, and it's a great thing. It means we need more energy and fuel. And oftentimes, you know, it's like having an occupied sign. Like the object I spoke of is kind of like a giant neon occupied sign that's just sitting on our energy. And that can happen when we get we get too scheduled or too routined or too mentally occupied by all the other stuff, all the things, the lists, the busyness in your brain. And, you know, I'm a working mom with two full-time gigs. I get it. It's real. It happens. And it's like your life will schedule you if we don't really p- create a solid hierarchy for what is um, important for us to curate in our brain and our body. Because you cannot schedule inspiration. You just need to make it a very high priority for you in your life. And then you need to restructure and reprioritize your hierarchy for how you approach said life. It sounds major, but it's not. It really is about um, making the space and making the space a way of life. Because I'm telling you, if like somebody made it your job to do that, it would be very cut and dry. It'd be like, oh, okay, I'll just do, I'll make it this way. And when it's you, it's like, it's oftentimes, especially for codependent types, it's like you feel driven by this urgency that's external that actually is very much in your mind. So outside of all of that, for me, what I would love for you to think about as you move through these the next section, which is the tools, is what we really need to do is just meet ourselves where we are and know we have always been talented enough, we've always been capable enough, and if we haven't started toward a goal, it's, I think, a sign that some part of us doesn't feel valid enough for some reason. And that would be, that's kind of like a map. It's like a, you know, an X on a map for what to be curious about or perhaps tackle in therapy or with your your self-work you do in your journal. But the net-net awareness of the feelings we are having around something will help us to act because now we, we have a choice. Like we're moving through it. We're digging through the dirt. We're processing. We can talk about our ambivalence to anyone who wants to hear us repeat it again and again until we receive enough mirroring, until we can see ourselves clearly enough, until we we receive enough nudges from the universe or we swallow enough pride to take a damn action. And that's when we really welcome the joy of pursuing something, of being in it, of feeling the like fear and feeling the pain. It's like, we're all right, I'm moving through it. I'm in it. It's fucking terrifying. All right. So with that, here's part three, the how, the tools. But first, a brief word from our sponsors. The tools. Before I go into the tools, I would just say, let's start with a goal to curate curiosity and like allow your brain to nag you get involved with like imaginings and just allow yourself to try this future on for size in your mind's eye like allow the dream to be more present to entertain itself during your waking hours just be in it be in the soup 
you know? <laughs> like I'm brewing a ginormous jacuzzi of creative inspiration soup and no, it's actually a lazy river and we're all going to be floating down it together just to make some awesome stuff. So just be in this active state of floating with us. Like this, that's the goal number one. Just be present in this process wherever you are and like be thinking about it. Welcome it into your mind. All right, first tool. <laughs> this is one of those tools that if I was listening, I'd be like, oh, come on meditate I know everyone tells you to meditate and it's like well yeah I mean it's like one of those things you kind of have to choose for yourself I'm just gonna put it to you this way I would say if you meditate for like a really solid chunk of time two days in a row or like let's say one day and then two days later something really cool happens because what you're doing is you're calming your nervous system and you're teaching your brain how to like stop just fogging you all the time and when you are when you get that vision right after let's say it's a two-hour meditation I'm not saying you have to do two hours let's say you do a 30-minute meditation and it's a guided meditation so you're not like thinking of your grocery list the whole time and after that the first thing I want you to do is look at a plant just see if it looks different look at something outside look at something organic the sun the clouds stare into the sun directly <laughs> just kidding but anyway it it feels different and you'll notice like food tastes more vibrant like it's almost like being on a drug don't mean to trigger you if you are an ex-addict but like it is very weird it's like an over sensory like washing your hands might feel really cool the quality of space and time changes dramatically and you put your defenses down and what happens is it almost feels like, I don't know, for me it was like remembering a time a long time ago, like when there was no brain chatter, there's no distraction. The energy of the world is immediate and simple and alive. And it's very comforting. And I think this is just a wonderful way to like know that this quality of time and space exists. It's a baseline that we can return to and curate and come to whenever recall what it looks like and what it feels like whenever we want to it exists always it's like having a break room you can step into at all times throughout your day like an inner resource but it is very much a muscle so we have to continue to curate that baseline as often as we can but i think that's a really great way to start this off because it reminds you how much is stolen from us in just our focus, our ability to focus and not be swept away by so many of the automated habits that are kind of pre-programmed into life. And by that, I mean by Apple <laughs> or whatever Slack or whatever apps and things you're, you're controlled by. It's like there's so much inner busyness that is sucked, that sucks away resources of just... Um, the energy when we can choose where to put it is so much more effective. So anyway, that's my first tool. Second tool, get to know your inner judger and your inner controller. Let's call them Bob and Juniper. I don't know. 
two people. There's an inner judger and an inner controller. So these are like your your nervous system guards that are created. They're they're hired by your old experiences throughout your life. And they I just want you to get to know them. Start to recognize their habits, their voices, their inclinations, almost as, as separate beings. The judger wants to narrates why something's not good, judges other people, judges other people's work, judges something that somebody else does wrong. You're, the judger also um, judges something as not good, risky. Um, I, don't, I don't even like that thing. Your judger wants to distance from action and defend against possible failure. And the controller, the inner controller wants to do it this very specific, perfect, but impossible way. The controller is very black and white and also very sensitive. And that person inside makes it very complicated and daunting to take actions. And the weird thing is the more often we take risks or do things sloppily or imperfectly, the easier it is to get really successful at anything in life. So like if you take on a challenge like you do an acting audition, it'll make you better at attempting to write your first screenplay. And that is because you're you're unhindered, you know? These two, Juniper and, what was it, Bob? What was the other guy's name? I can't remember. <laughs> anyway, they they just step back a little bit better. So the inner judger, you have both truths and both opinions inside at all times. So it really just depends on the time of day or the chemicals that happen to be flowing through your body. And by that I mean, like let's say you're entertaining taking on a a very intimidating role, like a leading role, or even saying I want to pursue that role. And by that I mean a title, a job, or whatever it is. That inner judger can say, "I, I would kill that. I want that. That would be awesome. I would be excellent at that. And also could completely say, that is so not for me. That is, I would be not a good fit at all. I would, I would be terrible at that. That is so not my style. All opposite truths exist. All opinions exist in you at all times. It really just depends on your energy. And it's amazing how many opposite thoughts we have. Like in a single night, you know, you might notice you're flipping between two opposites. And that is just a defense mechanism. It's a constant defense. It's like a distancer thing. And, and sometimes you might say like, I really, really want it. And they're like, no, no, I don't want that at all. So I would say this might be especially true for you if you are perfectionistic or maybe you had an upbringing where you were shamed for your authenticity at some point. And I would say that's like everybody, it's probably inevitable because just parents are human and like people are growing up in very different times and their caregivers grew up. But anyway, if you have uh, either of these voices in your mind's eye, just get to, just step back and see them for what they are. Like, oh, this is some part of me that really wants to prevent pain and also that really wants to um, be perfect, like and, and just kind of step aside because like it doesn't have to be on their terms at all. And, and the more we can get better at that, the more we can move freely. Okay, the next tool, dream invite. 
I'm handing you an envelope. Sorry, it has so much glitter on it. It has a moon and a star, and it's an invitation for your dreams to come forth. And so this is just, you know, I'm going to call it your, your journal form of an invitation to become more presently active in the solving of your goals and just make them top of mind versus deliberately back burner. So in literal terms, what I mean is like, I want you to make a list of the pros of, or a paragraph of how your life will be better if you make this change. So all the great things, like what are all the things that will be brought into your life? Like what are all the amazing changes like that will come forth in who you are? And if you don't know the change you want, but you have some inklings, I'm going to give you a couple of fun thought starters. What do I know I would be really good at? And just like romance that in your journal. What are you great at? Another way in at the same answer, what are you always critiquing that others do? And who do you think is your culture icon personality doppelganger? What do you do for yourself and friends that brings you joy? What is something a peer is doing that you admire and you know you are more than capable of? And then second journal entry, what are at least five things I need to do to prepare for making this kind of change? And if there is one action that is the most immediate, maybe try taking it now or take an action in its general direction. All right, the next tool receive and so this is really just a lens I want to place over your eyes because when we are active in a goal just simply by keeping it present in our mind we are we're in that the processing stage of ambivalence but we are also kind of magnetizing and so it's just like I want you to just say you know in your mind's eye I'm ready to receive I, I actively receive and just kind of you're kind of like asking the universe for inspiration and insight into the, th- the things to do. And I would just say like when you have something top of mind and you just watch, you'll start to receive input and you'll start to receive tips and information on where to move and how to move and like things that will help you on this journey. And whatever you notice, jot it down. It just makes it like a better filter in your mind's eye. All right, the next tool, luxury and abundance. This is also from the artist's way. And it's for all people, though. It's not just for those of you who identify as artists. But it's basically if your creativity has turned into a task or do you have if you have a fear that it's drifting away, it's as I said, that's it's the feeling itself that is blocking you. And so what we really need to do is return to a no pressure, only joy, quote, luxury state of mind. And I think one of those, one of the things that we have to do is curate that perspective of abundance where we feel bountiful and focused and that sense of limitlessness where your brain starts to go fast and you're like, oh man, I could do that, I could do that, I could do that. That is where creativity flows, where we can't write it down fast enough, that kind of thing, where we can see like, oh man, I could do so many things with my gifts. 
So I want to ask, like, do you know what that feeling feels like? Can you remember it? It's kind of like confidence mixed with a burst of energy. And for me, it's kind of like excitement for praise. <laughs> Sounds weird, but I'm like, my, my body almost feels excited for when I get to show other people. And it's also a hunger um, for being proud of my creation. It's this weird sight into how limitlessly awesome something can be. Like I can see the future and that the story goes on and on and it keeps changing shape. It's it's super exciting. And so from that energy, it's like almost a race to put it down on paper or canvas or computer or whatever it is. That's the energy we got to get to. And so I just want you to think back in your childhood. What when did you feel that way? Like, I can fucking do anything. Oh man, I can I can do that. I'm really good at that. Like, oh, I'm going to do that, 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 and that. I think it's, I mean, it's so specific. For me, it was whenever I went to art shows or museums and specifically animation shows. But I want to know what it is for you. That's what I want you to curate, revisit, really think on it. What has brought me that feeling in my past? All right, the next tool, what are your ideals for yourself? This is a just an invitation to journal on this topic. Who do you choose to be? It's a, a lovely goal in that it really just sets your energy in just the simplest terms. What are your ideals for yourself? Mine are, I would like to be excellent. I would like to, whatever I do to be, to be, Excellent. And I would like to be truthful and embodied. Give me that basic. Okay. Next tool, security intentionality check. <laughs> um, this is like my airport security tool. So everyone's probably traveling for the holidays and uh, imagine you've gone through all of your baggage and now I'm going to be like, beep, 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 beep. Let's check your intentionality. Never forget to be intentional with what you allow into your body. And by that I mean, yes, foods, drugs, all that stuff, but I mean content itself, the amount of content as well as the actual content. Because content is like eating, you know? You can tell how you feel after you ingest it. Like, is the thing you just took in a bag of Skittles? Is it a bag of Doritos? What is the energy it brings into your frame of mind? And what is the energy, the quality of how you feel about the world? And how does it interact with your being? And is that positive? Is it nourishing or is it junk food? Does it make you feel like kind of like saturated with like too many, you know, junk calories? I don't know. And then I want to ask you to consider what would my ideal self be enjoying frivolously right now? And I'm not saying, it's not about like forcing yourself to be bored. It's just about ensuring that the inner and outer world you curate is nourishing. And for me, you know, yes, it takes a little bit more effort. But when I find it, when I curate it correctly, it's like a feast. It's like the most delicious and amazing feast. And I feel revived. I feel like I'm set back on course. Like I'm a, a little train going through my own miniature theme park and Somewhere I started following other people's tracks and then someone put me back on my track where the scenery is inspiring and it's interesting and it's stimulating. and um, So yeah, that's that tool. All right, the next tool I have, 
Work with the feeling. And by that, I mean wherever you are, like that is material to experiment with, to react to, to get into as if it's fruit, you know? Like, so for example, if you're frustrated, like this is material, this is feedback. Think about it like it's a piece of clay. And how can you work on that? Like how can you shape it? How can you write about it? How can you process it? How can you move it? Can you, how can you use it? in wherever you are, converting it into something that is positive and useful. Hope that made sense. Okay, cool. All right, the next tool is uh, the pyramid. And this is compliments of what I watched last night on Netflix, um, Dr. Stutz. And I'm putting a link to his website in the show notes. But this is a, uh, a tool for anyone. I've gotten a couple letters from people who have trouble figuring out, like, it's not even about not knowing how to get out of your own way. It's really like not even knowing what to do with yourself and do with your life or even know who you are and how to be, use your creative energy. So if that sounds like you, this is a tool that Dr. Stutz has, which is really if you are in that state, it's because all these other things are blocking you energetically. And that's kind of like what I was talking about with getting into that mindset of abundance and anything is possible. In order to get there, he has this pyramid and the pyramid he draws at the very bottom is life force. And we have, if we're in that state of, I don't even know what I want to do in my life. I have no desire to do anything. What we really have to do is be, become really invested in the goal of just feeding our life force. And for me, what that means is well-being, holistic well-being. So that means really getting into fixing your diet, getting, fi- getting into fixing your routine, Um, finding something that makes your body feel really good that helps you stay in your body. So meditation would be a part of that. Some form of um, calming exercise, like let's say surfing or yoga, whatever it is for you, we really have to get um, feel good in our body. Next on the pyramid, I'm going upwards, is relationships. And the relationships, if if you are a person who does not maintain your relationships and that oftentimes requires effort. You have to be connected to other people in the world because as Dr. Stutz explains, he th- these are kind of like the, the tethers to humanity that make us feel like human beings. And without that interaction, we feel completely isolated and like we're drifting off into space. So we really need human interaction and conversations with other people. Whether or not they're people you like, it doesn't matter. You just have to have human interactions. So his suggestion is like, go out to coffee with someone you don't really like very much. <laughs> um, this is all in a doc that Jonah Hill de- uh, directed. It's on Netflix right now, and it's called Stutz. And then the top of the pyramid is building your relationship with yourself. And that's kind of what I talk about every day on this show. <laughs> so I don't need to explain what that means. But anyway, for you in particular, life force. Get into building the energy of feeling <clears throat> really good in your body. All right, next tool. Oh, and I'll, I think I already said this, but I'm going to put a link to his website in the show notes. All right, next tool, exposure therapy. And by that, I mean, like, there is a form, there is a form of therapy that's called exposure therapy that is exactly what it sounds like, which is like whatever someone is afraid of, like a phobia, you get really, (laughs) you just, you are exposed to the phobia until it loses its potency. And it is, 
very painful to watch. I'm sure it's even more painful to experience, but it's it's a very visceral form of therapy. But in this case, what I want you to do is similar. I want you to face whatever the demons are. So just get up close and used to them, like whatever they are. And I mean in just like thinking about your fears and like imagining you're moving through the situation that is the one you're most afraid of. Like what is the worst case scenario in in terms of achieving your goal? And let's let's just try my mine on for size, <laughs> like the TikTok one. What is the worst case scenario? Being trolled, being uh, parodied in a very mean way. And is is that scenario realistic? Hmm, I guess it kind of is. I want you to ask yourself the same thing though. Is that scenario realistic? Is it something that will um, possibly happen? Hmm, sometimes it is. Sometimes it's totally not. I think a lot of people have fears around a person and that person being mad at them and then saying X, Y, Z. And oftentimes when I'm working with clients, I'm like, that is so unlikely that that would happen. And that situation is so contrived. This thing your brain has been torturing you with is very, very low on the likelihood scale. So I just want you to ask yourself the same thing. And then I want you to also ask, is this a masturbatory fear? Like, and I think a lot of us spend so much energy in like imagining very elaborate masturbatory scenarios that are like all about us and then the thing that people do to us. And it's like, it's usually not at all something that would likely happen. But if it is, let's say it is a realistic fear, what I want you to do is just allow yourself to live through it in your mind's eye and get used to it and and imagine like yourself being completely okay and that thing not being the end of the world like maybe that thing is survivable and totally okay and the reason I want you to even consider facing a fear like this is because all the only thing that is valuable in this world is what is created like value is created the the concept of value is something that is manufactured by us people and the energy behind it is what makes it valuable so value is an invention and it's it's invented by all of us which is basically an open invitation to join the world of creators and authors of future you are welcome and you are valid whatever it is and maybe you're not trying to create something, maybe you're just trying to pursue a goal, it absolutely, you are absolutely a valid contender. There's no reason you wouldn't be because you are the one that's creating your own value. You are the author of this value. So that's the show. I hope it's helpful. And before I close, I wanted to thank my latest sponsors, Julie, a wonderful donation from you. Thank you so very much. Thank you to all my Patreon sponsors. You mean the world to me and all of my monthly sponsors. They really help out this show if anyone out there has the means. If you want to make a donation, you can, can head to yaywithme.com and or visit my page on Patreon. If you don't have the means, I totally get it. If you could just write me a review on iTunes, those help me out as well. Or just share an episode with someone that you think it would help. In closing... Remember, I'm going to call it the holy, but is, if that word triggers you, remember the ethereal, the magical, remember the otherworldly. There's, 
there's a whole layer of other things outside of your bubble that are bizarre and cool and new and don't make any sense and are playful and don't need to be good. And I just want you to remember that. Like, they're, you know, kind of like dreams. Like, dreams don't make any sense often the time. There's no rules. And I think a lot of the time when we get kind of in a routine, the world becomes small. What you're supposed to do becomes small. What is considered good or beautiful becomes small. But, like, if you explore the big wide world, everything exists. All sorts of weird, amazing things that don't, don't abide by anybody's standards. So let's make something that we invest in and it comes from authentic effort. And I think it's really easy to get into a rhythm where we stop really meaning it or we stop really putting us into it or speaking with our full volume because it's so scary. And so we just go through the motions of casual efforting, of being like, okay, I'm, me- I'm meeting the, the bar for what everybody says is what I'm supposed to be. But that's not really being alive and that's not really what you're capable of. You're capable of, I don't know, whatever that seven-year-old self was like, ta-da, whatever that self had to say. I mean, it's a lot more, I'm, I'm guessing. So let's shed a little bit of this fear because we are, we're good at jumping into a cold pool. <laughs> we just forgot that we're good at it. Oh, and also see you on TikTok <laughs> as soon as I can jump into the cold pool. <laughs> so with that, I send you my love. And don't forget to smile. the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.